podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello and welcome to another Touchy Gooners podcast. It's your boy Dan Coops on the hosting duty today, and I'm joined by my good friend Sean. How are you doing, SC Carbaholic? Yes, my bro. All good, all good in the hood. Yeah, man. Um, life is good, man. This is a sev- seven wins on the bounce. Um, but before we get into it, uh, just some usual housekeeping. If you are listening for the first time, you don't follow us on, on the socials, make sure you follow at Touch Gooners, at Touchline Fracker. Um, there are some other club podcasts that, that record as well. You, you'll be able to join and listen into their content. Right now, the listening is good across the, the board, to be honest. Um, I think United are winning today, but Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool... But um, uh, who else? Who else is there? That's it. Where's Chelsea, Liverpool, Liverpool United. Yeah, that's United. It. They're all muddied right now, man. They're all muddied. <laughs> so this week was a it was a fantastic listen. Listening to Chelsea Hour, I, I, I I'm gonna need to hear uh, their next episode because this Lampard news that came out today um, <clears throat> has shocked me. I can't lie to you, Sean. Um, it's completely shocked me. I thought. Todd Bowley was cooking something up at Stamford Bridge, but you know this this meal that he's he's delivering is uh, is something unprecedented, you know something very very unprecedented because boy, uh, he's, he's 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 burning all that brisket and that mac and cheese, boy. <laughs> fam, I'm a load up. I'm a load up. I need more plates, you know. I need more plates. And Bowley, you know, I know you got a plan for me, man. I was actually really pissed off when they sacked Graham Potter. I was thinking. You know, that Chelsea, when they come to Emirates, they're going to be food for us, you know, uh, pun intended. But, you know, now, because um, I saw Enrique being linked to them, I saw Nagelsmann being linked to them, I was thinking, yeah, these men, they've got some pedigree in the game, they've got some coaching experience. Maybe that can become a bit more of a, a difficult tie now. But for them to hand it over to Frank Lampard, who was on the precipice of getting Everton relegated for the first time in their history after uh, the previous owner sacked Frank Lampard for having them, you know, near enough in the relegation zone when he took over the first time round, um, you know, is, is music to my ears. You know, how are you feeling about about the, the, the situation over in West London? Uh, it feels like, to an extent, like they're trying to create something new, but they don't really have a handle on how to do it. There's too many cooks in the pot, too many people having too much input. Bowley himself, who doesn't know football, I think they've got like a new director of football, but it just doesn't seem coherent, you know. And and it when you spend six hundred mil in six months, nothing's going to be coherent. Let's be totally brutally honest. Like it's great that you have money to spend, but that's not a smart way to spend money. Let's you know you're you're better off buying three or four top players, and you know 
probably doing a slow burn. Look at what Newcastle are doing. You know, we all assumed Newcastle would go mad, mad crazy, but I think Newcastle have pretty much showed it the right way to do it in terms of building slowly, not needing to overboard. They've just built on the nucleus that they have and they'll probably get Champions League and go again this summer. Um, I think that's the better way to do it. And yeah, Chelsea, they've tried to do like a, a quick get rich scheme, but yeah, man, it's going to take time. Yeah, it's going to take time, but you know, I'm hoping it takes a, a long, long time because, you know, we've got some targets this season and then following this season, we've got some targets next season as well. So, you know, let's uh, let's 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 keep monitoring that situation and hope it uh, you know continues to work in our our favour. You know, but let's let's get back to Arsenal. Um, now this is our seventh win in a row in the Premier League. Um, six of those seven wins, we scored three or more goals, beating Leeds at home four-one. Um, so, Sean, you I don't know you you weren't at the game. Uh, this no, weekend, no, no, no. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't there this weekend. No, so, but yeah, but still, no. I managed managed to catch it where I was. So, um, another good win. Obviously, I know we we probably started a bit slow. And to be fair, I think for the first thirty minutes we were. I don't know if it was like you know rustiness after the international break. I know Arteta spoke post game about a few issues in the camp. A few guys weren't feeling well. Um, ben Wyatt, I think, um, Sack obviously started on the bench because he, he didn't train the day before. So so maybe a few of those issues came to roost and it took us a while to get going. But but when we did, you know, um, get going, I, I think it was uh, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. Um, we took over, we controlled the game as expected and, and you know, uh, another game where, where we wrapped up the goals, which is great to see. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was interesting because, you know, I know people have said, um, well, there's 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 a lot of narratives about Arsenal this season, but um, you know one of the the popular ones at the moment is that <clears throat> Arsenal have uh, you know been quite fortunate with the number of injuries that we've had, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I don't I don't tend to disagree necessarily, but you know you look you look back on previous seasons when Liverpool were able to put their 97 uh, 99 point season, etc. The year when they won the title, I think eight of their outfield players um, played. Um, I think 30 plus games, you know, with five of them playing, you know, 33 games or more. Um, so I think when you are competing with a club like Man City, in order for you to be able to go toe to toe with them, you need your players to be fit, really, because most teams don't have a, a nation state backing them. Um, and without, without keeping your players fit, it, what tends to happen is the drop off to the next guy is just far too big. Whereas you go over to Man City, they've got a £50 million player starting, they've got a £50 million player on the bench to back him up and no one else is able to do that. So, you know, I don't really take that as um, an offence where people say, oh, Arsenal haven't had injuries. Well, yeah, that's that's really good. We've managed the squad really well. We've gone into January to, you know, plug certain holes that we might have had for this run-in as well. So, you know, you have to commend the management team, you have to commend the coaching staff for being able to manage the squad and manage um, players' fitness as well as they have done this season. But, you know, we came into this game, William Saliba's obviously got these these back issues that has kept him out the last couple of games now. Um, Bukayo Saka, not able to train, was uh, on the bench. And then obviously our uh, talismanic striker, Gabriel Jesus, was back from his first start in five months since November, right? So we're looking at, you know, quite a heavily rotated side. 
Rob Holding coming in at centre-back, Trossard coming in on the right. And this is the first time we're seeing this lineup um all season, you know. So what were your feelings when you saw that Saka was on the bench? You know, I think we were having discussions with Rob Holding, but we'll come on to that um, in a little bit. So when you saw that Trossard was starting on the right, sorry. Yeah, I, I assumed initially it was just rotation. Um and it was just that gentle rotation. I think most people are fine with it. But, you know, we've come to assume that. <laughs> and I think, obviously, subsequently, when we found out that Saka didn't train the day before, it was, I think, if Saka's fit, Saka's going to play basically so. But it, it kind of worked out in our favour that, um, that you know, Trossard started, didn't have a problem with that. Um, as it transpired during the game, I don't think, you know, we, we've spoken about Trossard not really being a touchline player. He always wants to play on the inside. Naturally, he doesn't have the separation pace to beat people on the outside. And um, the the assist he created came from when he was on the inside as well. Do you know what I mean? So so I'm, I'm fine with Trossard rotating in. I just think we need to, you know, probably maybe Jesus drifting, allowing Trossard to come centrally will probably work best. And I think we saw that, you know, for the Jesus' second goal in that game. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I, I think um, Trossard overall, another decent cameo. That's seven assists now, which is crazy since he only moved in Jan. It's uh, the ridiculous level of efficiency and output in the final third. So, um, and, you know, uh, bearing in mind, I was also one of those who was heavily in the Mudrick camp. I, I'm very much doubtful that Mudrick would have given us this, you know, so I can't mm-hmm. complain. Yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't really see a world where Mudrick is coming and, and contributing to eight goals um in his first you know few um few games um and yeah i thought that that dynamic was uh you know took them a little bit of time to build up that that head of steam right i think the right side in the first half was was kind of non-existent really um you know one of the things that you notice about our play when <clears throat> i think saka starts is that that ball is quick to go out to him, you know, it's one of the first things that we do when we get in possession is, look, can we feed it to Saka? Can we get him, you know, one-on-one? And we didn't really uh, get into that many of those scenarios with Trossard on the, on that side, because I don't think he quite had that, you know, wavelength with Ben White and Erdegaard um, in that game. And I think Erdegaard, Erdegaard was pretty quiet in this game, actually, um, even though he, he ended up getting the assist for the the fourth goal with a great cross. But I think um, the, di- the dynamics on that side were were definitely affected. But what I found was that, you know, even though, um, you know, we weren't necessarily building play on that side, I thought defensively Trossard was, was very, very effective, very good. Um, and then on the left-hand side now, it was almost like a match had been been lit under under Martinelli. And he, he was, you know, sort of, firing on all cylinders and I think that his relationship with Gabriel Jesus was reignited you know uh, I thought he was the two of them were, were were strong candidates for man in the match um and Martinelli I think has been in you know scintillating form um I, it's a shame to say since Eddie Nketiah has come out of the team you know um I think there's a bit more of um a willingness for the other players, Trossard and Jesus, to, who have played striker, to sort of vacate that that central position for Martinelli to come and you know join and, and, and occupy centrally, and then they're they're very happy to to be out wide. And you know if you think about our first goal that we scored, um, it comes from Jesus drifting out wide, uh, uh, switching you know places with with Martinelli in those rotations that they like to do, and, and battering. 
uh, Christensen and, and Luke Ayling, you know, to win that to win that penalty. So, you know, what did you feel about our left hand side and and that relationship with with Martinelli and Jesus? Yeah, and and I think I'll I'll group Xhaka into this as well. I just think um, it's it's something that worked really really well pre World Cup. We saw it, um, and I think again since um, with all due respect to Eddie, since he's come at the team. I'm noticing every game similar to how pre-World Cup, how Xhaka continues just to crash the box repeatedly. I, actually, fun, funnily enough, I think he might have been my man of the match in this game. Xhaka, I thought he was really, really good, um, both on the defensive and the offensive side. Um, but when we're talking just strictly Jesus and Martinelli, we saw it again. I think they those two have a natural chemistry, a natural synergy. They're what we call, you know, multi-purpose forwards, um, drifting and out, like to create, combine, create for themselves, create for others. Um, making opposite movements when one's dropping short, the other's running in behind. Um, so it's very, very complimentary. And I just think from day one, it's always a partnership that's worked in it. Do you know what I mean? It's always, always worked. And and I think especially it makes Martinelli look devastating. Like he looked really, you know, I think the international break served him well. He looked really, really fresh in this game, I thought as well. Like he looked like he had had a couple of weeks off um, and he just looked right, right at it, man. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a key component for us going forward. You know, obviously, Jesus is, Martinelli's 21. Jesus has only just turned 26. So, yeah, man, I want, I need that to form, you know, along with Sakar, this front line for the next, for the next three odd seasons. I need it to be crashing, 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 crashing. And I expect it to improve and, you know, get better, become more efficient, you know, similar to, you know, Firmino, Salah and how Mane was as well. I, I, I expect it to be, you know, to reach that sort of level. Yeah, 100%. Man. And I think, you know, I think it's, it's very interesting where um, <clears throat> we we make these comparisons um, with the Liverpool team because, you know, there are, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of similar dynamics, um, really. I think when you, you talk about the false, false nine stuff, I think that's probably the, the best example. I think the way that City do it is... Probably slightly different to like the, the way that Pep has done it in in previous um, years when they've not really had that Aguero type. Um, it's, it's it's pretty different, and I think what we're seeing from Jesus is a level of leadership in that front line as well when he comes on. I think players do sort of tend to to buzz off him and defer to him to see you know right well he's coming out left well now that's my cue to come um, central. I think Trossard was able to do that and emulate that to a, a, a little extent. But what I find with Jesus is he's got that level of um, probably explosiveness from a standing start that um, Trossard doesn't quite have. And he, I think he's got that presence as well when dealing with these players where he's got his back to goal. You sort of trust him that, you know, he's got the strength and that centre of gravity to not really get moved from it. And, you know, I think there was a, a compilation that was floating around Twitter today. I sent it in the group and it's just like, he's actually just a joy to watch. You know, that when you, when you, when the ball's at his feet, um, you just, uh, you just, you just sort of on the edge of your seat because you think something exciting is, um, is about to happen kind of thing. So, you know, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him play these final 10 games. I don't know if you watched that, um, injury documentary that Arsenal put out. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I sort of liked about it was that, you know, he was so in touch and desperate to be, you know, back on the pitch. He's texting, you know, Eddie sending him encouragement. He's in the stadium 
there in his, you know, his, 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 his dripped out white white jacket, celebrating last minute winners, etc. And you know, I think there was an interview where he said this is now his favorite. This is favorite part of the season where you know you're really fighting for something every minute, every you know tackle, every game counts, um, and and it, and it means more. And so you know, I'm just hoping. You know, we know he's a bit of a streaky striker himself. He's scored two now. That this, you know, sort of run of scoring, it comes at the right time. You know, I'm hoping that it comes at, at, at the right time. And I know he's got something for Klopp and then man on the weekend. Um, and hopefully he's got something for, for Man City when they go to the Etihad um, as well. All right. So um, I want to touch on a few other... Uh, performances as well, um, Sean. So I know you mentioned Jacker, and I agree. I thought he was a candidate for um, for man in the match as well. I thought you know he's he's now got three goals in his last three games. Um, he's he's back into um, a little bit of, of of scoring form, and that that probably is is also linked to the fact that you know we've been, we're back to playing this false nine position where you know the striker drops in, it gives him that space to to run into man. So you know how 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 do you just summarize this season for for Granit Xhaka? Boy, if you told me at the start of the season that in April we would be sitting on Xhaka with seven goals and five assists in all competitions, I'd have told you you're crazy. I'd have said you're absolutely crazy. I, I you know. I can't believe it. Like, generally, I can't believe what he's done in terms of output, I think. But at the same time, it's what Arteta wants, right? You know, we all watched that Arteta interview with Jamie Carragher where he said to Xhaka at the start of the season, he said, listen, big man, I'm going to need you to get some goals. If you ain't going to do it, I'm going to get someone else who will. So fair play to him. Fair, fair play to him. I can't. I, this was the, you know, we didn't even think he could do it, but he's shown he can do it. Do you know what I mean? So, um the way he's remodelled his game from being a deep-line playmaker to being a box-to-box midfielder who gets goals, who's up and down, who gets his tackles in, who wins his duels, but who's also there to come. He's another one who has a really good relationship with Jesus as well. Um, you know, both of them giving and go, creating for each other. Can't complain. And bearing in mind, you know, coming from a, a standpoint where I wasn't a Xhaka fan, I think he's... Um, been nothing short of sensational man so mm. and and it would also be interesting to see you know and again i'm not trying to shit on eddie but what it would have been like if jesus never got injured i mean Xhaka could have hit 10 goals bro like when you put it like that that is mm. that in itself is crazy right so i've got to give my man his props man i think he's i think he's been sick i think he's been mm. sick and i can't i can't speak a bad word of his name, man. So big him yeah. up heavily. Yeah, for sure, man. Because I remember when the news was announced that he's signing that new contract after, uh, you know, I think flirting with Roma um, two summers ago, and my head was in the sky because you know I was thinking, yo, this this guy, you know, what's that? There's you know, there's that meme video when he's like, oh, we can't beat this guy, we can't beat this guy. <laughs> that's that's how I was feeling, yeah, you know, because it's literally a, it was a long stretch of i guess in different form um in different performances uh and obviously he had that big falling out with the fans etc people burning in the stadium had to turn his instagram comments off etc so you know this is a crazy crazy remontada and not only that i think this is probably the best football he's ever played in his career 
you know, um, when you talk about the level uh, of consistency, the output that he's bringing, you know, and I think the leadership as well. So, you know, big, big, big props to him. Um, he's up to five goals in the league, um, seven in all competitions, you know, and it, <clears throat> I think you're right, you know, that potentially if um, Jesus was fit for that whole period, we might have seen... Um, we might have seen even more goals from him. We could be looking at a 10-goal season for for, for Granite Xhaka, obviously, with nine nine games remaining. So, you know, uh, I think Jesus is up to seven. Um, Xhaka's on five. Saka's on uh, 12 in the league. Martinelli's on 13 in the league. Odegaard's on 10 goals in the league. Um so also, really also, Xhaka hasn't crashed in his annual, you know, every season there's normally one he slaps from like 25, 30. He hasn't crashed that one yet. So I hope he's saving that five at Anfield for the Etihad for St. James's Park. Yeah, one of them, he, he needs to, he needs to crash it. So yeah, yeah, I need, I, I, I need that. I need that. Um, I need that. I need that. So, you know, um, so that's a great spread of goals um, mm. across, you know, the players that are playing in our, our front five. And I know Trossard is up to, Eight, if you include his um, his his Brighton goals as well, right? So you know you could be looking at a, a season where you know hopefully if Jesus gets back in the goals, um, we've got four or five players um, who are on double figures for the for the season, and I can't tell you the last time that's happened. Um, you know whether that's even happened previously. You know, so um, it's looking like a, a you know a special season for Arsenal um, and hopefully, you know, we're able to to get it over the line. So, yeah, just to talk through some other performances that I thought were worth, worth mentioning. Um, I think Ben White at right back um, had another stellar game. Um, it, was, it was a pretty tough first half for him, I think, because, you know, obviously Leeds had uh, a few guys on that side that they were trying to attack through. I think Furpo, Harrison, um, Sinistera as well. They all seem to like that that left hand channel and some of Somerville. Um, of course, they cause us uh, a few issues. So, so how I guess with that that side, it's like Ben White and Rob Holding, uh, Thomas Party drifts to help out in the right back spot um, or that right side of the the pitch rather than the, the right back spot in that right channel as well. Like, how do, do you feel like there's anything? Um, that we need to sort of be worried about going forward in that that little pod um, because, you know, in that first half of the first sort of 20, 30 minutes, I think Leeds were getting a little bit of joy um, down that side. So, you know, how how, how how confident are you that we can sort of cope um, in Saliba's absence um, with, on that right side? Yeah, I, I mean, on that, it, it was probably a little bit, you know, adapting to Leeds as well because uh, Javi Gracia as a, a new manager has only been there a few games. I asked in the chat as well, I was like, all the times I've watched Leeds this season, I don't remember Leeds playing a back five. Do you know what I mean? So I think obviously tactically they adapted, they shifted to us. So it probably just took a little while to to adjust, you know, and that's not always, you know, and it, and it can happen. You know, sometimes I think when we jump to periods where we're not so great in the game, we just automatically assume it's bad. But, you know, football's, um, you know, it's, it's a tactical game as well. You're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to do some different things. So it probably took a little while to get used to that. In addition to the fact we said, you know, neither him or Odegaard are used to having Trossard on that side. Or, and like you said, holding 
um, is a different sort of centre back where you need to stay close to him so he doesn't get exposed in in certain big spaces. So there's there, there's a few different things at play here. So, um, but you know, it's it's something we're gonna have to get used to. It doesn't sound like the news on Saliba's positive. Like you know, we're gonna be welcoming him him back anytime soon. So that is that is you know the concern. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have to continue to adapt. You know, I think obviously. And we've had this discussion in the group about how we should mitigate, how we should plan for Saliba's absence. And I've probably come around full circle just to the fact that even though I'm not a fan of Rob Holden, I think we should just keep him there just because it's it's the smallest of changes. We don't have to affect every other dynamic. Whereas, you know, I don't want to have to say move Ben White, but then who are you bringing in right back? And then what does that do to X or Y position? You know, we spoke about last season, for example, when when KT got injured and then we moved to Xhaka to left back. But then that had a knock-on effect for us in midfield and do you know what I mean? So I think even though I'm not a fan of holding and, and what it does to our line overall, I think it's probably the easiest one to mitigate and probably deal with at the moment. And obviously people will point to Palace and Leeds, but obviously Le- Liverpool will be a different challenge at Anfield at the weekend. So mm. Yeah, 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 boy. Um, there are a lot of questions about the Liverpool game, so um, I will try not to, to preview that until we get to the questions as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I think in these last two games, Palace and um, Palace and Leeds, it, 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 their, their main attack, attack or their, I guess, um, main threat is on that left side for me. Um, and I think that's probably the same for Liverpool as well when you think about you know, how this season's gone. I know Mo Salah is, is their top scorer and he's their best player, but I think a lot of their sort of main main threat and, and, and build-up in the games that I've watched particularly come with, you know, Gakpo being released down that left-hand side, Nunes being released down that left-hand side, Andy Robertson as well. They've got, they've got a lot of weapons. And, you know, I'm probably doing Trent a little bit of a disservice um, for his on-the-ball stuff, but this season for me, on the ball, he's been, you know, lacking in in, in more than a few of these um, big games, and I think Salah's been left largely isolated um, at times. So, you know, I do think that that right hand side of ours is it does worry me, you know, because I've I still no matter how much of Rob Holden I watch, I still get flashbacks of that Aston Villa match from two seasons ago during COVID where, you know, my man's just sort of jumping on the spot whilst Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins and all these men were, were moving their feet around him kind of thing. And I just feel like, you know, for us to have the success, we can't end up in scenarios where Rob Holding is left, you know, sort of 1v1, um, having to move his, his, his feet and adjust his hips and all of this stuff, pause. Um, quickly in order to deal with these attackers and I like the fact that um Gabriel seems to to have taken into this you know sort of sweeper role I like the fact that Ben White is really supporting him physically I like the fact that party is you know sort of crowding out that side as well to not allow um I get uh, their attackers to get in and around um Rob Holden so you know I am hoping that Maybe if we're able to just keep the ball um, to good effect, like we saw Man City do against Liverpool, like we saw um, 
uh, Chelsea do against Liverpool as well. Even though I think that possession was, you know, pretty even over the whole course of the game. But I think there were lots of spells where Chelsea were able to, you know, get some passing moves together and create chances that will be able to, you know, dominate Liverpool on the day. Um, one player that I do want to highlight as well, um, who I think has been, you know, pretty fantastic in the past few few weeks is Aaron Ramsdale. You know, I think he won save of the month for March uh, for that save against Bournemouth. But again, in this game, um, I, I felt that he made a few, you know, re- like big saves, not necessarily difficult ones, but I think they, they came um, at a good time. Obviously, there was one in the first uh, 10, 15 seconds, you know, when and after that Bournemouth match, I don't know about you, but whenever I see a team attack from kickoff now, I'm slightly worried because I'm just like, boy, we've seen it happen before. Um, I don't want to see that happen again, kind of thing. He makes the save um, early. And then I think, you know, Leeds had a couple more shots. They didn't create too much in this game. I think they only ended up on 0.6 XG or something like that. But I think that when Ramsdale was called upon, he rose to it. And I think his form in the past few weeks, which is slightly different to, you know, this period last year, where I think his form tailed off, um, is now tailing up in the right direction. So, you know, what what do you say about um, Ramsdale's performances um, of late? Yeah, yeah, I think generally I've not had any issues with Ramsdale this season, you know. I think generally, you know, we've our concerns around his general level of shot stopping last season were a valid concern. And I think he's gone some way to try to mitigate that this year as well. So hopefully that's something he can keep up, you know. My next thing is for him to start saving some penalties when he comes up against it. But but generally, like, I think, yeah, he's made a lot of game-saving ones. You know, we, we think back to the Villa one uh, in that Bournemouth game, you know, where mm-hmm. we could have he made some really, really good, good ones as well. So it's a case of, yeah, he's not called into action a lot. But when he is called into action, we need him to make that save. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's the criticism that sometimes leveled at Edison. Do you know what I mean? Where you know things just go him through him a bit too easily, and you know, so hopefully Ramsdale can continue on this. You know, um, he's still only twenty four, so hopefully, you know, this is something he will continue to get better and better at. We don't need to speak on his distribution. We know that it's one of the best. So, um, no, it's good, man. I think for him generally, he's taken a big step, positive step forward this season, man. So I'm happy with him um, overall, and uh, and lo- long may it continue, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm, you know, I'm sort of hoping that um, with this is us seeing, you know, the key this keeper evolve and become, um, you know, a top top keeper um, as he matures. You know, um, this is what I think is fourth season now in the Premier League. Um, you know, very intense first couple of seasons. I think fighting relegation um, at Sheffield United and at Bournemouth. Um, and a completely new experience for him last year. Now them playing sort of towards the other end of the table. And now this season where, you know, in a title race. So I'm hoping that the pressure of previous years is now, you know, sort of making making a diamond there. Um, and the club has, you know, done a, a really fantastic bit of scouting to to pull to pull um out hopefully uh what is you know, going to be one of the best um, goalkeepers in the league because I think this season, you know, he's probably in the top three. You know, probably in the top three. I think you're looking at, you know, Pope and Allison, um, and then and then 
you know, the third one would would be Ramsdale for me um, if I'm if I'm going to rank it um, there. So um, I think he has been, you know, really good this season. And in the past few weeks, I agree his his level seems to have gone um, up up a notch because I think when he did start at Arsenal, uh, we were sort of concerned whether or not that was a purple patch because I think his save percentage was somewhere in the 90s kind of thing. You know, it looked like everything that he was doing was, you know, the Midas touch, everything he was doing in, in, in the game was was turning to gold. And I think, you know, we were sort of worried, yeah, uh, whether that was a purple patch. But I think now we're seeing that it wasn't. Um, and when this guy is confident, when he's, you know, got belief in his own um, goalkeeping abilities, he is a, a, a top, top um Keeper, so you know, long may long may that continue, um, and 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 yeah, hopefully, you know, we've got nine games left. Hopefully, it's last for the the remaining nine nine games. So, our next game, shall is Liverpool, right? So, let me just ask you this question flat now. Yeah, how are you feeling about this game? Terrible. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling terrible. I'm just feeling, feeling anxious, just because. And, and it's not even just this game specifically. It's more just the run we're coming on, like the home straight. I think I said on last week's pod to Lou. It's more just about how we handle the nerves and pressure, you know. And because we haven't been here in so long, do you know what I mean? And, and obviously the bulk of the squad is still very, very young. Um, you know, people have been talking about how. We've learned the lessons of how, you know, last season ended with the top four and hopefully that's the case. But it's still a tough run to end the season, do you know what I mean? So, and I think we all mentioned that it's not like we're playing anyone who doesn't have anything to play for. You know, everyone is, we're either playing teams who are scrapping for their lives for relegation or we're playing for teams who are trying to get into Europe or, or going for the title with us, do you know what I mean? So every game means something, which is probably the added stuff um so it's a mixture of that and then you know praying that we don't have any more um injuries as well that we can just keep everyone fit um, so yeah so that that's yeah. more so it's more feeling of apprehension but um but hopefully we'll be we'll be able to rise it starting with anfield this weekend mm, yeah yeah um boy i'm the same i'm nervous man I'm nervous. I'm I'm confidently nervous, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. I, I've watched Liverpool the last two games that they played, and I'm just like, I'm just going to be so disappointed if we don't beat them. You know, it's just I'm looking at it and I'm saying like, do these men have the facilities to really stop us? And I just I can't I can't see it. Um, so, so, so let me let me ask you this: How do you feel about what Klopp did at Chelsea when he left out? Trent, Robertson, Van Dijk, Salah on the bench. Like, what, what? Why do you think he did that? I think he wants them fresh, right? But the the weird one for me is that at this stage in the season, all the points count and all the points matter, right? So, I think it's 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 pretty strange to, I don't know, given the way that they're playing, to basically say that you know we're not going to try and win this. This match against Chelsea because I think that's that's what the lineup kind of showed. Like I know it was relegated, but I can't remember the last time Curtis Jones started a game for for Liverpool. You know that's a guy that um, didn't really, you know, hasn't really played or featured this season. And I ha I can see the argument where you know uh, some of these guys um, needed to kick up the arse 
where you know they they're probably taking it a bit too casual thought they were going to just going to be able to roll into the next lineup kind of thing so it's a bit of um you know uh, a motivational thing that yeah no he actually wasn't wrestling them he's dropping them you know um because he's concerned about their form kind of thing um but then you know he brings on Mo Salah he brings on um Robertson he bring when you know they, they're trying to chase the game etc so I personally think he was he was he was saving their legs I think the city game was tough for them um city game was tough for them uh, and then to go to another intense game away to, to to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Tuesday to then have to play you know league leaders on Sunday I don't think that would be a sensible approach you know asking some of these guys to play three games in a week with the third one being probably the best team um of the lot right so um so I do think he was wrestling them and for me boy I don't think it's enough I'm not going to lie. I don't think it's enough. I think, you know, they do have a good record at, at home. But, you know, if I if if I want to look at their performances in those big games at home, I think United is probably the only one where I'm like, yeah, fair enough. You know, you, you blame them, you know, kind of that kind of thing. I think against Man City, City had all of the ball. They hit Liverpool on the counter. A horrible mistake from... Cancelo trying to defend, um, and and Liverpool took a took advantage against Newcastle. I think Newcastle were a better team. Um, then Liverpool, you know, sort of get this last minute winner um, that I don't think they, you know, I'm not going to say they didn't deserve, but um, I don't think a point would have been unfair to Newcastle. You look at Brighton, who I think were the much better team um, in that. In that first half, went two 0 up. I think Liverpool got the equaliser. Uh, he even went three two up, you know. And then, um, you know, Trossard gets his his third for the hat trick, right? So, you know, I'm looking at these games and I'm saying, right, boom. You know, how impressive have you actually been um, in these? And I think even in the Chelsea game where they played Chelsea, Chelsea dominated that, and I think Chelsea should have won as well. They got they got a point, um, I think. So, you know, I'm looking at it and saying. Right, have you guys actually been your classic Liverpool at Anfield? No, I don't think you have. You know, no, I really don't think you have. Um, yes, the record's good, but I don't think that we should go to Anfield with any fear like we might have done in previous years. I think this team are going to give us chances and it's about taking your chances and putting them to the sword for me. I think when you look at the way they've been defending, the way their midfield has not been able to press and, and get up and down the pitch, etc. Um, we should be able to to go there and and come out with three points. Um, do, do you do you expect us to dominate possession? Because I don't remember the last time we went to Anfield and we had you know by and by the lay of possession. Because every team we played this season, including City at home, Liverpool, when we played them at home, we've had more possession than everyone. Um, but Anfield, I don't, I don't remember the last time we went there and had, you know, significant periods. So, so, do you, so you think that will happen? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm just looking at it right, and I think we've not gone there with Jacqueline Party in midfield under Arteta. We just haven't done it right. And I think if you look at every single big game that we played with those two in the middle of the park, there's only been one team that's been a dominant force, and it's been us. Right. And I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what, like why that's the case, but 
when those two play, that that it's a cook session, and I, and, I, and I don't know why, you know. So, um, I need I need I need you know party not to get arrested any more times, you know. I need him to, to to watch his hamstrings. I need that physio doing daily massages on him, you know. I need him there fit. Um, I know that they said Saliba's ruled out of that, but you know, I, I, Rob Holding. Make yourself a hero, lad. Do you know what I mean? Make yourself a hero, lad. <laughs> Let's come out of that game. Let's come out of the game oh. without talking about Rob Holding, you know. Rob um, Holding. You know. No, man. Sean, I'm I'm I've, I'm giving off nervous energy here, but I, I generally I, I'm feeling good. Um I'm feeling good about that game when I feel like I said this on the main pod as well when I was on there. I feel like that Newcastle game last season is a big sort of fork in the ground for this team where, you know, they sort of, you know, what's that thing uh, that means, that, and I took it personally kind of thing, where we've seen it at Brentford previously where they dunked on our heads and then we turned it, we like, Arteta pulled up the tweet, you know, the, the Ivan Tony tweet. It was like, look, kick about with the lads, you know, and, and that that's that, that stayed with the team kind of thing where we don't want to go to these grounds and be bullied, you know. We want to go and show that, you know, we're the big boys in town, etc. And I feel like this whole season is coming to a crescendo at this game kind of thing where these men need to rise it, you know. These men need to rise it, and I'm confident that they're going to rise it personally, Sean. So, so yeah, that's 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 how I feel about this game. Um, so we do have a bunch of listeners' questions here. So duh, 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 duh. let's go straight to the starts. There are a few. Um, boy, there are a few here. So you know, a lot of Liverpool focus. So uh Ak, Ak NMC, he he says, How do you have to set up to break the Anfield curse on Sunday? SOS HGN, he says. How would you adjust team tactics to account for holding at Anfield? So, you know, similar questions there. How are you setting, how are you setting us up? Uh, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think much changes. Obviously, I have my concerns about holding, but I'd be inclined to leave him there just because what else do you do? I don't think, to, you know, this isn't a game to experiment to say put uh, Zinchenko or Tinia right back. You know, I don't, I'm not, not looking to try and do that this game. So I feel... It might be a high-scoring game, this one, just because we have to compensate for holding. But whilst trying to compensate, we can't avoid playing our natural game. We don't. We don't want to. We don't want to be pushed back. You know, this isn't the sort of game now where all of a sudden, where we've been doing the same thing every single game this season, we're going to be like, oh no, let's change because we have to protect holding or because it's at Anfield. I could see the logic or why some people would be willing to do that just to be like, oh, maybe take a point and leave, but. Let's, we've been the big boys all season. Let's let's not change that now. Do you know what I mean? So I think keep that. Um, the only other logical one is the debate between whether you go Trossard or, or Jesus. And for me, it's, there's no more messing about now. Like you said, it's the, it's the crunch time. It's nine games left. It's Jesus, with all due respect. And Trossard's been fantastic. And I can totally understand why people would justify him starting, especially after he scored a hat-trick Anfield earlier on this season for Brighton. But... There's a way that um, Jesus occupies defenders, you know, and I don't think he's 
pressing intensity is fully there yet, you know, fully back to, you know, to what it was pre-World Cup. But I think I would try and get him to give me like 60 minutes, all intense, and then swap him with, with Trossard is what I try and do. But, you, you know, Anfield, because I'm assuming Liverpool will still try and be high. You know, I'm assuming both teams will try and compress the pitch and play high. So there's going to be spacing behind for both teams. And it's going to be for Jesus and Martinelli to exploit that to be the outlets that we want them to be. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, and he's someone who will keep Van Dijk, he'll keep Konate honest, he'll commit them. Do you know what I mean? Whereas as much as Trossard's a good player, he doesn't have that level of physicality to engage with the centre-backs. So that is, that's the main reason, I think, for, for, for plumping with Jesus. And listen... We know his finishing can be streaky, but Jesus has that jinky majinky man. He's going to do a mad thing. He's going to just do something at any point in the game. Like Even look, like you said, look against Leeds on Saturday. We were struggling for the first half an hour. But look how he cooked Luke Alien. He, he got, had man doing uh, Azonto on the floor. Do you know what I mean? That, so. Trent, Trent, Trent Gomez, Matip, even VVD these days, yeah. Give me that jinky me jinky, you know, they're they're conceding the pen. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um give me give me some of that uh rotations with Martinelli, rotations with Saka, etc. Give me that jinky me jinky ball. Um and we're sizzling, we're sizzling something, man. I think this could be a game where our attack really is able to win us the game. Um we saw it at the Emirates, the fast start. I think we scored in like the first minute, right? Um and, you know, our second goal, the pace on the left, I think Martinelli took out two men with, with one chop. Um, you know, I think we saw it at Anfield last season in the Carling Cup where then Martinelli and Saka were both causing them issues on the break, um, even though that, that game ended uh, nil-nil. I think, you know, if we have a different striker on the day, we could probably nick a goal. Um, Lacazette on his heels um, quite a bit in that in that tie. Um so, because Bateface and 80s asked, knowing what you have seen in Liverpool now, this side over the past two games, what is your preferred starting front three? And I think we both agree it's Martinelli, Jesus, Saka. I think that has it has to be um, those three. Those, those are the first choice guys. Those are the guys who are, um, you know, on form as well this season. Harsh on Trossard for him to come out after the form that he's been displaying as well. But, you know, this is that is the first team. You know, that is the first team. And that's the team that that needs to come to Anfield and um, and do the business really. Um, so so yeah, very very interested in that. So Guna Ellis has asked. I'm hearing rumours that Vlavic would come to Arsenal if we won the league. Would you have him at Arsenal? If so, why or why not? No, don't don't come and do it now. When we won, you were moving prestige 18 months ago, and you didn't want to pick up man's phone call. But now you've seen what. Arteta has cooking down here. You you want to come and join the party? Nah, B, you can hold that. And also, I think, bear in mind, you know what we've spoken about with getting the best out of Martinelli, who I think is the main shooter in his team. I'm not convinced that Vlahovic would do that. So, um, yeah, it's a weird one when we talk about improving the front line. But I just always think we've looked better with a false nine. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not sure. Even if we were to buy another forward, I'm not sure Vlahovic is the one for that now. I've sort of changed my mind on that, so no. Hey, man, you can hold that, man. You weren't picking up the calls, man. You weren't picking up the calls. Like, you know them ones... Um, what's that one? What's that that meme? Yeah, I know I've just been talking about memes this whole episode, but you know that meme where um, it's like the, the, the nerd 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And wow. he's, he's looking, and then, and then, and then you see the second picture yeah. is uh, the girl beat, trying to come after him, and he's like, "Beat it, beat chick!" It, chick. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Vlavic, man. You, yeah, you don't yeah, want yeah. us when we're down, man. So no, nah, nah, he, nah. he won't even pick on the calls, and now he's trying to yeah. make it. Oh yeah, oh, nah, 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 you were nah. like popping like that. It's yeah, like when yeah. you go. It's like when you go. Um, when you go. When you go to to I don't know if you've been out clubbing in in the US, yeah, and it's like ah oh, you you might be at the bar or something like that trying to talk to a little thing, um they're not really having it on you. Then they hear the accent and then they're like oh wait y'all y'all from London, you know like that. And then they start giving you bare attention and stuff like that, man. It's like that, but when they know you're popping or when they know you got money or when they know you're you're from somewhere else, they, they get they get a bit interested. But you know now nah, um, I'm not having it from Blavich, man. I'm not having it. I don't want him. You know, he went, he went, he went down with us. So yeah, he can, he can stay over there. Not, I don't, not that I think he'd be a bad player or anything like that. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having it from, from him, really. Um, so Count Dracula and Yakubutsu um, have asked Yakubutsu Seven have asked similar question, right? So um, it says, can you pick three players in our strongest lineup that you would like to see an improvement on? So, strongest lineup being Ramsdale, Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba, White, Shaka, Party, Odegaard, Martinelli, Jesus, Saka. Um, and then Yakubutsu's question was, ignoring Xhaka, depending on your position, pretend his position is locked or you've signed an upgrade. Which position do you want to see strengthened in the summer and why? To replace the current starter as well, not to improve depth. So, boy. Yeah, that's that's hard because I really like the eleven, and mm. obviously Jacques the the main upgrade. So for me, but for me, if I'm to do it, I'm looking at defensive midfield because I've suffered enough when Party's been out, and I'm not trying to suffer again going forward. So I need reliability and I need availability. So I'm gonna have to splash the bag on like Kaiseido, you know, because I think he's. I'm not having Rice as the six, but Rice as an eight. But as a six, I'm splashing the bag on Kaiseido. That's that's what I need. That's what I need. If that means sometimes party's got a hold bench, cool. You learn to be available, big man. So so yeah, mm. that's 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 the main one for me. That's you know, I really like the front three. I do, and I think there's more potential there that hasn't fully been harnessed yet. So mm. I'm not ready to make the call on that one yet uh where else uh no Erdegaard's having a <laughs> amazing season uh, 10 goals six is, is doing everything i asked for so no so yeah it would it would be mainly the the two center mid positions um ben white has shown pff, what a player he is zinchenko speaks for itself gabriel saliba best center back partnership in the league and we just spoke on ramsdale earlier on right about how he's maturing so um, I think overall, I'm happy. I think for me, it's just about adding more quality and padding out the squad generally. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I agree with you because I'm looking at it here. Jacka is the obvious one, but then if you say if you look at the other positions, quality wise, really, what are we what are we looking to do here? I think with Jesus, he obviously does go on these long. I guess scoreless runs, but the team was still winning every game um, in that time, and we weren't struggling to score goals, right? So that's probably just a personal thing um, with Jesus, because you're, you're saying if we're going to get a striker to replace him to score goals, will that affect the team? 
Um, or do you have a guy who can do both? And then you're talking about, you know, potentially 100 million pound player, um, as far as I'm concerned, the guy who can dribble and beat men that way and put a ball in the net, they're a dime a dozen and a name doesn't really spring to mind there um, quite quite obviously. Um, Zinchenko this season, he spent a lot of time injured at the start um, because, you know, there were games where um, I think Tomiyasu was playing left back. Uh, we had Tierney play left back as well for a few games and he missed, he missed a few and I think his injury record is not ideal, but you know, do you have someone that can come in and give the team what Zinchenko brings? I don't think you can. So, you know, I'm looking at it, Martinelli, I think his output, you're going to struggle to find a left winger that will give you the level of output and level of intensity that he brings. Saka, it's not even worth mentioning. Erdegaard, the captain, has been unbelievable. Now you look at Gabriel Saliba and White, you can place any of these guys in the lineup. I think you're spending upwards of, you know, sort of 80, 90 million. You know, so um, I, I just can't see it happening. And then you look at someone like Aaron Ramsdale, who I think, you know, over the past few weeks has been one of the top goalkeepers in the division. And we are basically just seeing him at the start of his career. I don't think it's worth spending any money to, to replace him. So, you know, when I'm looking at this team, there's really one position that I think is truly upgradable. And the rest, you know, you are, um, you are talking about... Um, potentially change the dynamics, potentially add in depth, potentially add in rotation pieces, rather than really um, taking their their spot in the team. So, so yeah, we'll leave, leave that one there. So Jagged Ed, he said, what has surprised you most about us this season? For me, it's Benny Blanco at right back and Odegaard stepping up as captain. I remember Coops cooking him after Newcastle last season. <laughs> you're, damn, you're damn right I cooked him, man. My head was in the, my head was in the clouds after that game, man. I, I still I'm still a bit speechless as, as to what I was what I was watching there. But yeah, what surprised you most this season, Joe? Mm, 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 mm. Uh the overall level level now you might remember and I, and it was you so i have to give you the credit for this at the start of the season you made a claim that you expected arsenal to have a big uplift based on what we did last season when everyone was fit between you know that january and march period we were trending you know as a as a top top team in the league um with our output so i, I predicted fourth at the start of the season i think you predict i can't remember what you predicted but you know i think you were the one who made the call that we would see a big uplift there's no reason why we couldn't see a big uplift and we've seen the big uplift but even by whatever that big uplift standards are you know we've hit another level so um i just think it's the overall the consistency level that we've played at um some of the wins that we've had the level of dominance we've had in certain games as well i think is great and I'm saying all this while still knowing that there's big, big room for improvement and that we can improve again. So, you know, those people that think, oh, um, if Arsenal don't win the league this season, they're never going to do it or whatever because other teams are going to spend loads of money. I'm like, if we don't win the league, you know, it'd be, it'd be disappointing, um, but we'll be back again next season. I'm almost 100% certain that we'll be back again next season. It was the same people that said, oh, if Arsenal did get top four last season, that they're never going to get top four again. Well, we've already got Champions League, do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, while I hope we can win it this year, if we don't, we'll be right up there, regardless of 
you know, because people talk about what other teams are going to do, regardless of what other teams are going to do, you know, whatever we do, we're showing that we're a top team, you know, at the top level. So, yeah. So I think just, uh, just a big kudos to the, to the manager, um, for a lot of development and for the sustaining this overall level. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, even though I made that prediction, it was kind of just a, 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 a hopeful hypothetical, you know, hopeful hypothetical. I did have some hope. I knew that we would be better this season. I just didn't think we would be this much better, right? You know, we're, I think we're on course for like a 94-point season or something like that with a maximum of 99. You know, that was never, you know, what was the quote from Arteta? You know, he, he has wild dreams, of course, yeah? Um, that, yeah, that weren't, in my, that weren't in my wildest dreams, you know, um, that, that, that this would be possible. I think um, uh, one of the things that have surprised me the most, I think that Ben Wright at right back shot is... Is really is a really good one. I think he's been exceptional. Um, Erdegaard has also, you know, not I wouldn't say he surprised me um, because I've always felt that he's been capable of this, right? But it's about showing him on a consistent basis that we've seen this level of performance from him, even when he came on loan, right? But it was sort of few and far between. So I wouldn't say that, that surprised me um, as much. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint one thing for me. I think it's just the general level of consistency and performance that we're seeing from this team is, 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 has been a bit of a revelation um, to me. I did think that, you know, we would be able to pull some runs, winning runs together. I did think we would be more consistent, but this level is just, um, it's, 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 it's obscene. This is not, not, not anything that I ever um, could have expected. Um, so, Ribslish has asked, where does Trossard rank in January signings for Arsenal? And this is um, a difficult question, right? Because I've got this article here that says the five best um, January signings for Arsenal. We, we, we've, we've made some good ones. We've made a, we've made some very yeah. good ones, like uh, Jose Antonio Reyes, rest in peace, I think, Reyes, you know, helped one. us to win the league. So that was a, that was a great, great signing. Um, Arshavin was a, was a great great signing, um, especially Monre in that period. Monreal was also a good one. Very very underrated left back. Um, really really good signing. Solid for the whole period we had him here. Monreal generally really good signing. Um, Oba the first eighteen months especially was was sick, very mm. very sick. Um, but I mean, Trossard is is showing up, showing mm. up. So I'd put him in the top. Five so far, unless there's another any others that you can tell. But I think Trossard, um, impact-wise, is right up there at the moment. So. Yeah, I think there have been some good ones on this list. So they've got Adebayor, Walker, mm -hmm. yeah, Sol yeah, Campbell's second stint. <laughs> um, I, I think like Adebayor and Walcott were were calm, but they didn't help us to anything. That's yeah. It. And it yeah. wasn't immediate impact, right? Yeah, immediate, immediate impact. impact. Yeah, so when I'm talking about immediate impact, you're talking about, yeah, the Reyes one, the Arshavin one, Obar, and, you know, Trossard, what he's doing now as well. Yeah, so. yeah I think I think those 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 three, yeah. So he's definitely top three um, for me. And if we win the title, then, <laughs> boy, he's, he's top one. Okay, yeah. He's top one. You can't really, get, can't really get better than that, man. So, um so yeah, Source Castillo has asked, with Saliba being out for an unspecified amount of time, what is the mood around holding Hamilton in? 
it is what it is, man. Like, I think I've done my moaning now. There's, there's nothing else I can say. What can I say? Like, it is what it is. It's the hand we've been dealt. Um, like I said, I, th- I think for me, generally, it was the one that's paining me more is Tomiyasu. That's the one I feel more angry about because Saliba can get injured. It can happen. Like, it is what it is, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? But Tommy, I feel like I've not seen Tommy for like 40. I feel like I've seen him sparingly aside from his first like four or five months here. Do you know what I mean? So, and like you said, if we had Tomiyasu available right now, we would not be stressing over the Saliba injury. We just wouldn't because we know what the solution is. Simple move. Ben White back inside next to Gabriel, Tommy Asu at right back. Everyone's happy. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that that's that's where my more my frustration is because, you know, whatever Saliba has, it has. I've heard back issues can be quite complex. I mean, I mean, naturally we all know, right? <laughs> your back supports your whole core, so it's not one. It's it's not an injury that you can really play with, and it. You've got to be careful with that. So, it is what it is. Um, like I said, yeah, it's more annoying that Tommy Asu is not available, but. Listen, hopefully Rob Holding can, can do something, man. I'm not confident, you know, based on what I've seen in his time at the club, but it's been our last two games and this is going to be his biggest challenge yet. He needs, you know, the, the, we need to see some, after last season in a North London derby, I need some redemption from you, bro. Mm, yeah, yeah, 100%. Because I think, you know, one of the things this season that's been quite good is that when it's been one or two players that have to slot into the team, we've been calm, you know. It's just when it's been more wholesale changes, we've seen some struggles in Europa League, etc. Um, but, you know, that's what I'm hoping, that we have enough in other positions. It's literally just one change, one change in 11, right, from our supposedly first choice, right? And we should have enough to be able to cope with holding. I know, I know, I know, I know that holding is just not the guy, but fingers crossed we have enough. Because I think last season when we capitulated, etc. It wasn't just holding that changed. It was holding and Cedric and Tomiyasu playing left back. No party in midfield. No striker. It was Eddie and Ketia playing, you know, in that first one, etc. So, you know, there's a lot of changes there. Whereas this this time, he's got more protection. He's got more pace around him. He's got more physicality. He's in a team that is confident, etc. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that um, we, we, we can do the business even with holding... Yeah. Um, so Lukey Tyler, it's a fun one. Um, he says, seen some talk about how managers should have to take the 12th penalty in a shootout if it gets that far. <laughs> which, <laughs> which current prem manager do you think is hitting the best pen? Probably Arteta. I was literally just thinking, I was like, no, Arteta took a lot of penalties for Arsenal and I think he only missed one out of like, like yeah. 13, 14 like that. So I was quite comfortable with Arteta taking. In fact, I was very confident with Arteta taking. He was a good penalty taker. So, yeah. And when um, he missed this last minute against yeah Fulham. against Fulham. Yeah, I remember. That. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. So I would I would have Arteta there. Who else? Yeah, I've never... I think. I'm just looking at the list. We got Pep. He's a decent footballer in his day, but I don't know. Um, no, yeah, Pep was a sick footballer, but I don't know. I don't remember him taking pens. So I don't know what yeah. he was like from the spot. Klopp. Boy. He doesn't look like he'll have tech for me. Yeah, yeah, he, he don't look like someone I'm trusting to take pens, boy. And after um, his record, his record in finals before he broke the curse, yeah, I ain't, I ain't yeah. trusting him. I ain't yeah, trusting I him. don't know. I don't know. I reckon Unai Emery takes a good pen. Mm, for some reason. Yeah, true, true. He's good. He's always good in cup competitions, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, 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 that's that's a funny question, but yeah, yeah. I 
think Arteta is uh, is taking the best bet. Um, so Tommy Ajay one has said, "What players do Saka and Martinelli currently remind you of, and what players do you think they can be if in their peak slash prime?" I think he he meant there. So. Saka for me, Saka for me is a creative forward, so he does a bit of everything. Um, like for me, he he parallels obviously, even though he's a lefty, similar to Mane, you know, in terms of creates all rounds, yeah, all, all all round game. That's that's how I would classify Saka. I remember when they were at one award ceremony, he hugged. That's probably when a lot of the powers transferred over from from Mane it's to Saka. Boy, strength of the black Panther. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's that's it. Um, and oh, uh, yeah, Lampard from David Akin. He said, Lampard oh, okay. is hitting the best pen. Yeah, he's a yeah. new new manager yeah. now. I forgot about him. That's why, yeah, true, true, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, he, he'd be a good shout. Martinelli's harder to profile, I think, for me. I don't know who I would compare him to. It's a difficult one because his style is very unorthodox, I think. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, that's it. Just a bit of a, a ragamuffin, you know, his hunch yeah. back. And all this because stuff, he, so. he's, he's not a typical winger in that he wants to play, he just wants to get close to goal, like crash a shot or get a cross in for someone to, so I don't know. Yeah, that, that one's a lot harder to profile, actually. I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's funny because I think, you know, I do like the Salah and Mane um, comparisons with those two, but obviously the wings have flipped a little bit where, you know, you've got, I think Salah has probably got a slightly better ISO. Actually, I'm going to take that back because Martinelli completes a lot of dribbles um, personally and Salah doesn't really, but I like the fact that I think what Salah's game focus on output, I think Martinelli's game is the same. Um, and I think, you know, Mar- uh, Saka, whilst he does have the output, like Mane has always had that output, I think his game has, has always been sort of more two-pronged than someone like um, a Salah where, you know, you got the goals, you get the assists, you get the creativity, you get the, the, the guy who breaks the game open and makes things happen, um, which is what I think uh, Saka does. It's interesting. I don't think they really profile like any other players for me in terms of visually when I watch them. Um, just more the type of threat that they they have. Um, and I am Mr. Lex. So there's uh, two more questions. So I'm Mr. Lex with a penultimate one. He says, if Saka was to average a 7 out of 10 next season in the Champions League, where would he rank in world football for wingers, not just right wingers? That's interesting. So assuming he ranks seven out of ten, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm assuming that's like some good performances, some okay ones, basically some eights out of ten, some six out of ten, some seven out of tens. Be up, be up there. Be up there. He would be up there. I think in terms of right wingers, he's already he's already you know you you know right right there um, Mm -hmm. this season Uh, in terms of wingers overall. Look at the left wing now. You got you got Vinny Junior. You got um, I don't know if you want to include Mbappe there more, but he's more of a mm. sort of striker type mm-hmm. winger. Um, you got uh, uh, the Kravitz Skellia 
you know, is in is in great form. Napoli have got a Champions League quarterfinal to to play. Um, so, boy, if you're talking about the world's best wingers, he's going to be up there, man. He's going to be up there, and I think uh, I think a lot of what people are waiting for is for him to touch that Champions League um, and to see him do it there. Because you know, I don't think that it's a question for me whether he's going to be able to do it there or not. Because, boy, you know, playing Frankfurt and playing you know, um, some of these other teams, your Napoli's, your AC Milan's, etc. I don't think that's going to phase him, you know. We've seen him cook Teo Hernandez um, at the World Cup, you know. We've seen him uh, cook whoever, whoever you want, you know, um, several competitions now. So um, I just think it's going to be another platform for him to to really shine and dust people. So, so yeah, um, he'd be right up there, probably. If he gets a 7 out of 10 next season... Probably top 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 five to ten wingers, I would say. So, yeah. Um, and M four F seventy nine. Last question. He says, "How does this attack look to you?" Right, and he's basically got Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka. And then he said, "New right winger, but placeholder names in there." So underneath that, he's got Nelson, Trossard, and then Rafinha, Diaby, and Leon Bailey. How does that attack look to you? I heard Leon Bailey and I nearly threw up, bro. And even Rafinha as well. I said, what, what, where are you going with that? I mean, it was an interesting discourse because I saw it on the TL today. Uh, um, discussions are underway with, with Nelson for a new deal. And, and, you know, a lot of people were doing the numbers in terms of, you know, uh, you've already got Gabriel, you know, you've got Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, you've got Trossard, you've got, Nketiah, you've got Nelson, potentially Balogun to come back. So that's already seven, I think. And then people want another one on top. You know, I said, that's probably like a few too many mouths to feed. Pause, like, do you know what I mean? But like, there's a lot of players there, even with Champions League. Like, for example, I was just looking the other day, Nelson's been an unused sub again. Last two games, he's just been on the mm -hmm. bench in it. Do you know what I mean? So, we were uh, making so, five subs as well, you know. That's, that's, mm -hmm. that's it. So I just feel, I think... I don't know if you're if you've got a front three is six enough six seven I don't, I don't know I think six, seven is probably too many yeah that's I'm starting to feel like that's a bit of overkill because even so. wait sorry did I include Eddie in what I just said did I I think so but yeah like we've got we've already got numbers as it is like right now do you know what I mean so so it's a case of just I think six is okay it's just what six you you want to include in that do you know what I mean so and I think, yeah. the, the thing is I feel like if they if they are erring towards giving Nelson a new deal I don't I feel like that just excludes I don't feel like that means a winger's yeah, coming personally case, yeah that's, and that's, that's interesting whether you want to include Smith Rowe as being yeah. on the left wing as well because you know for me I even think that six might even be too many um, yeah. you know when you talk about the minutes etc like Man City I think what um Pep likes to the, do is you know you've yeah. got your five and then your sixth is probably someone who plays in another position that can yeah. also feel like a Bernardo maybe yeah, like yeah. Bernardo Silva kind of thing because for me I mm. think six is 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 probably too many mouths to feed for mm -hmm. six into three positions personally yeah, yeah. And I think maybe the right number is probably around five um, mm. and so it's a tough one because I look at it and I say. For me, I would actually probably sell Eddie and 
Balogun. Mm, right. Use Trossard as your false nine and then bring uh, another winger in that can play both sides, if that mm, makes sense. Mm, so you've got mm. Jesus, Trossard, Martinelli, Saka, and then your 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 fifth um yeah. winger that can play both sides because and and that's all or depending, right? If you see Trossard as your winger that can play both sides, then bring in another nine. Kind of thing yeah. because you know we see, we've seen the tapes. If you guys haven't haven't watched the tapes of Balogun, um, that's right. on the Patreon there. You can go check that out. Me, Sean, and Shebs looked at them. I'm not sure that Balogun is ready to come in and play a meaningful role for us. I wouldn't. I know he's, a, he's he's looking like a shooter, but I think some of the other parts of his game still need a bit of work. So I wouldn't be rushing him back. And I think we probably need a little bit of something different to Eddie. Because I don't think the team functioned as well when um, Eddie was there. So, you know, and then Nelson, uh, I don't know, he's, he's neither here nor there. He's contributed the season. Mm. He has contributed the season. He's done a job. But is that someone you want to, you know, be relying on away when Martinelli's injured? Champions League game, Nelson has to start for you away to. You know, at the San Siro or where at the Bernabeu or something like that. Is that what you want to see? I'm not too sure that it is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I think the stakes are increasing now, and maybe we probably don't have space for someone like Nelson um, anymore. If you're talking about going to the next level and really trying to, you know, achieve things, but that's just yeah. an opinion. Mm. That's fair. No, fair point. Otherwise, shown big big game. On on Sunday, I'm gonna ask you for a score prediction before we leave. Try. Give me a score prediction. Oh, fuck. It's taking on Johnny to go. Three two Arsenal. Oh, that's you've literally taken it out the words out no, of my mouth. I was gonna go three yeah. two, but I'll yeah, say two yeah. one. I'll say 2-1. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. Yeah, I, I just I feel like there'll be a lot of goals. I feel like there's mm. pressure on Liverpool to have a good performance after the last two games. Um and they've rested guys. So I think they're gonna they're gonna try and show that they're even though obviously the seasons are matters and I think that they're still about, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously for us, we, we know what's in front of us, we know what we have to do. Um but at the same time, you know, going to a, a ground where a team's only lost once at home in at the end of the league in two years, you know, to get that result, we're going to have to score a couple. I think, you know, it's not, a, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a game where you could get away winning one nil. <laughs> I just, I just don't see it personally. So um, I think we're going to need to score a couple, at least two in this game, you know, and hope we can keep them out. So, but you know, we've had eight clean sheets away from home. I mean, this would be nice, nice to have the ninth here. Um, I don't know if we will, but just, yeah, just bring me the win, man. Just bring me the win. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think yeah, I think we'll score. Um, I think we'll score. I think they'll give us chances. So it's just about taking them. But yeah, Sean, thanks for joining me, listeners. Those people that watch live, thanks for tuning in. Everyone on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, etc. Thanks for thanks for joining us. We'll catch you after Liverpool with a post match. We'll definitely be doing one. Um, after that, win, lose, or draw. So um, look out for that on the Patreon. Otherwise, 
Um, those of you who aren't patrons, we will catch you next week. Um, hopefully after another three points for the Arsenal. Peace. Peace. Podcast Network.